Picture this. The best of the best from around the country have gathered to compete. They've worked hard, trained, sometimes for years. They're here to prove their worth. And if they're lucky, they'll go home with gold. Frances Blondin was there. So it's just like people sitting, looking at a piece of paper and then writing down their answer. Welcome to the competitive world of memory championships. You're listening to Infernal Communication, brought to you by Staffbase. I'm your host, Brian Tomlinson. Today, we're going to talk about memory. I often feel like my memory is shot. Maybe that's from having two kids. There's so much information floating around all the time, I feel like I'm not taking any of it in. Stress, screens, multitasking, so many things are crying out for our brain's attention. Is there still room for retention? So what do we do? How do we remember things? And in this attention economy, how do we, as communicators, make things memorable? Well, we've turned to the experts. On the show today, we have psychologist and author, Dr. Tracy Pakiam Alloway. She's going to give us some tactics to help us remember, what did I walk into the room to get? Or more likely, why did I open my phone before I started death scrolling Instagram 15 minutes ago? But first, let's hear a bit from our memory champion. I'm Francis Blondin. Apparently, I'm some kind of a memory champion or memory expert. I'm not completely at ease with those titles, but I still use them because it gives me some kind of credibility. But yeah, I did win an event called the Canadian Memory Championship two years in a row. And I can do some impressive stuff, but it doesn't mean that I have a spectacularly powerful memory. I'm just good at how to use it. Let's let him take us back to the national championship in 2017. He also won the year before, but the way he tells it... The guy who should have won was too nervous, so I ended up beating him. And yeah, the next year I was even more ready and I sort of deserved to win that year. But the year he sort of deserved it was a close call. I thought I was doing well, and at the middle, they said that this other guy named Braden Adams was now number one. He was in advance, so like I got like really stressed. The very last event, speed cards, I needed to win that one, otherwise I would get number two. So I was really stressed. I memorized a deck of cards in about one minute and five seconds. And then during recall, I think I mixed up two cards which means it was worth zero points because I mixed up those two cards. And then I had another attempt where I needed to get it right, and I did it in uh, one minute, 10 seconds, and I breathed a sigh of relief. It felt good. That's right. Francis's winning move was to memorize the order of an entire deck of cards in one minute and 10 seconds. 52 cards with no mistakes. Right now, He's working on getting that number down to 30 seconds. It's amazing. When I was in high school, I didn't find memorization to be either easy or fun. I found it just as difficult and, and uh, boring as everyone else. Like some of the memory heavy class that I had to take, I passed them by cheating. It's only much later when I learned about neuroplasticity and about memory technique. And I thought I got to learn that stuff. Like it's kind of a it's, it's a little bit like learning that there are some superpowers that normal people can acquire with a little bit of uh, reading and some training. Who doesn't want superpowers? This is how he does it. 
The main technique that we use in memory computation is called the memory palace. A memory palace is any place that you can visualize in your mind. So it could be your home, but it could also be a street or a friend's place or your office. Or it could even be like a video game level or a place you're visiting on Google Street View, like some museum in London that you've never been to, but you're visiting online. And you're going to visit it in your mind and you're going to place mentally images, character objects, crazy stories, like different objects and characters interacting with one another. And those information will roughly correspond to whatever you're trying to memorize. And when later you're trying to recall the information, you're going to think, oh, yeah, that information, I placed it in the fridge in my parents' house. And you're in your mind, like, what's in the fridge? Oh, it's a whatever it is, and then you'll recall the information. It sounds like it's something for crazy people and that it wouldn't work, but I test it with all kinds of groups, young people, old people, and it works pretty much 100% of the time. So here's an example. We gave Francis three things to memorize. Invictus Games, Horse, and Lava Lamp. This is the memory palace he came up with to memorize these words. I'm going to use the background behind you. Uh, like a very small memory palace. So lava lamp, it's not even a word that I have in my vocabulary. So I imagine like in the right corner of your screen near the door, like there's this lamp. And for me to remember that it's a lava lamp, that there's lava at the bottom of it. So maybe it's like slowly melting and the lamp is like really bright and maybe it's uh, keeping me from like seeing your face. And maybe the brightness of the lamp it's annoying for the horse that lives with you because you, you have a horse, like you bought one recently. So maybe the horse walks in and he closes the lamp using his, his mouth and he, then he walks back. Then Invictus game, that's much more difficult. I don't like really know what that is, but I think Invasion and also Invictus, it sounds like some demon might be named Invictus. So I think like just above the, the two doors behind you, like I imagine like tiny two armies facing against each other and it's the Invictus game. And so there, like there's an invasion and there's a demon. It's kind of biblical, like a Lord of the Ring type of fight. This exercise feels a bit more like a peek into Francis's brain than anything else. But the thing is, it works. He says people have used this technique to learn languages, nail a presentation, He's even done workshops with school kids to help them study. Hello, periodic table of elements. Francis has a website that really breaks this method down. We'll have it in our show notes. Aside from the memory palace, he also has some sound advice to help make your memory better. What's most useful for people to hear is that, first of all, they should prioritize sleep. They should sleep at consistent hours. And I know it's very tempting to stay up late and watch Netflix or prepare works for the next day, but it's a sacrifice that's worth it. It will make you happier and healthier and smarter and better at memorizing and better at everything. The other important tip is focus, make an effort, close your cell phone or drop it in a volcano. Cast it into the fire! Destroy it! Or at least leave it in airplane mode whenever you're trying to learn something or trying to do some cognitively demanding task. The other tip is divide and conquer. So take whatever it is you're trying to memorize and take it one step at a time, maybe one sentence or one word or one paragraph or one question. Or even like for difficult words or difficult names, you can break them down into different pieces and attack that piece and then this other piece and then try to put it together. 
Let's bring in Tracy Pakiam Alloway for a different take on how to improve our memories. I'm a psychologist and an author. I write books, so I have 15 books. A number of them cover educational topics like memory. Most recently, I published a series of children's books looking at their memory superpowers of children with ADHD, autism, anxiety, and dyslexia. I also published a popular science book called Think Like a Girl, where as a psychologist, I wanted to unpack the way the female brain works and to kind of dispel some of the myths that we are told either culturally or socially or that are passed down and really address what's happening in the brain and ultimately how can we maximize our brain's strengths. She has some simple hacks on improving brain power. If you're looking for long-term memory help, Turn to flavonoid-rich foods like blueberries, spinach, and kale. Basically, the more vibrant the color, the higher chance it's rich in flavonoids. One study, for example, found that adults over 65, when they consumed an amount of blueberries on a daily basis, after five weeks, their working memory was significantly improved. Dark chocolate is another example. One study found that making a hot chocolate drink with a cocoa solids of 70% or higher can also improve working memory and it can maintain those benefits up to two hours after consuming. So if you are a chocolate fan, maybe switch out your milk chocolate or hot chocolate with 70% cocoa solids. I like blueberries and chocolate, so that's a good start. But that takes weeks to show improvement. What if I want a better memory now, like right now? So studies have shown that when you learn new information before bed or even before a short nap, it can consolidate that information. It kind of locks it in. We're not entirely sure about the mechanisms, but what we do think is happening is that when you're studying before bed or or reading something new before bed or before you take a nap, it kind of keeps a buffer. It almost kind of seals it into that safe, if you will. Getting creative, just drawing aimlessly on a piece of paper can help improve memory. But the method that kicks in the fastest involves two particular smells. Peppermint and rosemary oil. And the reason those are beneficial to working memory is because it works to activate a memory neurotransmitter called acetylcholine. And choline is one of the first things to decline as we age. If you say, oh, I have a hard time keeping focus, my mind keeps trailing, I keep drifting off, maybe put on some peppermint or rosemary oil as you're reading to activate that memory neurotransmitter. If you're not an essential oils person, or maybe you find scents too overwhelming, another fun one is that chewing peppermint gum can also give you the same memory benefits Dr. Tracy also conducted a study that shows running in your bare feet helps improve memory function. It's worth a try, right? But why do we need these tricks and hacks? What's the problem? Is it screens? Should we really throw our phones in a volcano as Frances suggested? What are you waiting for? Just let it go! Sometimes our current technological advancements gets painted with a negative light. You know, and there was a headline that came out a little while ago that now college students have the attention span of a goldfish. And that's not entirely true. There were multiple factors that is more nuanced than just that. However, we do know that we use attention very differently than our parents and our grandparents. And I think in part, it's about understanding and recognizing how to harness that So in my own research, I found that people who use technology more, whether it's phones, social media devices, the more frequently we engage in those kinds of technological devices, the more likely our attention is to be divided. So in other words, we are more able to go from A to B, back to A to C to D, rather than having what I've called a spotlight approach to attention. 
So typically in the past, we often think of attention as having that hyper-focus, that spotlight. I'm doing one task. I've got to focus. I've got to get it done. And if, if I get distracted, we view that as a negative. But our world has changed and our brains have changed to adapt to that accordingly. Or our attention certainly has changed to adapt to that. So right now, we typically use a floodlight approach. We're looking at the, the whole scene, the field, and we're saying, what do I need to focus on? Do I need to look down here? And we can decide, where do I place priority? I did hear a ding. A text is coming through. I don't need to respond right now. I'm in the middle of this email. I'll finish that. Then I'll go back. And so it's not so much that our attention is decreasing, but we are indeed using it differently. And I don't view that as a negative. I think it's just us being adaptive. It's us growing and recognizing these are the resources. How can we learn skills about how to prioritize and how to inhibit or ignore what's distracting information? And how about having the entirety of the world's knowledge in a little device we carry around with us? Is that making us kind of dumb? In fact, what researchers found is that our memories have shifted in the same way that attention has shifted. So now we don't remember the information, but we remember where to look for that information. So we're more efficient. And they did that by giving people folders on their laptop or their computer station. And they said, here's some facts. They were random facts about animals and so on. And people couldn't remember the facts, but they could remember which folder to look at to extract that fact. And so I would say that it's not negative or positive. I don't like to use words like good or bad, but we're certainly not doing a memory a disservice. What we're doing is using a memory more efficiently. Instead of saying, hey, I have to storehouse all of this, I now know where I can look it up. So instead of remembering everyone's phone numbers or birthdays, I'm offloading some of that and it frees up that post-it note space for other more salient or important information that I need at this moment. And how about our split focus? You know, trying to watch YouTube shorts while simultaneously answering emails. How is that going for us? So there was another piece of research where they had people in a driving simulator and they had them remember information as it was fed to them in an earpiece. And most people said, oh, I can do both. I can efficiently remember information as well as drive. When in fact, when they took their memory scores and their performance scores separately and then looked to see how it happened when the two activities were combined, there's a decrement across the board. Their driving was worse. Their memory was worse, unsurprisingly. But there is a group of people, about 5%, that could do both without any decrement to performance. These are called the super taskers. Most of us are not in this 5%. And I think part of that is recognizing your own post-it note size. If you typically can manage four or five things with no challenge and you're, there's no decrement to what you're doing, great. And all of a sudden you have six, seven, eight things added on that memory loss, and I say that with quotes, so that memory challenge is not a function of a cognitive deficit, but maybe your external circumstances have become too overwhelming for that post-it note that you have. And it may be, you know, just for you to check and say, okay, I can do five, I can't do eight. So our phones aren't necessarily making us dumber, but as expected, most of us are lying when we say we're good at multitasking. Dr. Tracy has another simple test we can give ourselves to stay engaged and get our brains ready for action. It's called a fluency test. A couple of things that can help both keep your brain in alert mode or in highly functioning mode is what's called a fluency test. And this is very simple. You can do this while you're driving. You can do this while you're cooking, while you're kind of walking around doing errands. You give yourself 10 seconds and you list as many things in a category as you can. 10 seconds, list as many animals that you can think of. 10 seconds is short. Animals is a big category. That's an easy fluency task to play. Now, the reason that's so relevant is because what it does is it keeps the connection between your working memory 
and your long-term memory active. And that is often one of the first things that starts going as we get older. And it's also used as a sign of Alzheimer's and dementia. It's called word-finding difficulty. When someone's looking at you and they say, oh, can you pass the, you know, the thing, the thing on the table? Ah, I forgot the name. You know what I'm talking about. That's that word-finding difficulty. And fluency tasks are a great way to keep it active. So start with something easy, 10 seconds, a big category, colors, animals, foods, and then maybe make it more challenging. Give yourself 30 seconds and make the category narrower. Animals at a zoo, animals that you see on a farm, whatever you want. And uh, sometimes it's fun. You can do this in a car if you need to keep the peace between, you know, warring siblings or children. That can be a fun way for everyone to step in. But for yourself, it keeps that pathway between your working memory and your long-term memory active. The fluency test could be a great way to help remember other people's names. But what can we do to help other people remember us? We're social creatures. We're wired to connect. Oxytocin is the first neurotransmitter, the bonding hormone, the hug hormone, as it's sometimes called. And so it's natural to want to feel seen and to want to be seen by other people in social environments. And so a great way to do that, again, based on research, is to be empathetic. There's body language that we pick up, even subconsciously. So when you physically turn your body towards the person you're speaking with, they will subconsciously detect that you're interested. But if you're having a conversation and you notice your eyes darting to the door, or even your feet move towards the door, those are giving subtle clues that you're not interested or not engaged in that conversation. And your listener may subconsciously code that as, oh, all right, it was a fine conversation. I don't need to remember what Tracy just said. But creating those physical cues, if you will, those underlying physical cues that I'm interested will make your recipient, your listener, more likely to be interested in you and remember you. The second is showing interest through your questions. People love to talk about ourselves. And so asking questions is very likely nine out of 10 times that person will say, that was a great conversation I just had, mostly because they were talking about themselves. (laughs) Well, this is a lot to remember, but what our guests are saying makes sense. Get some sleep, eat healthy food. Don't let your phone bring you down. It's another tool in the toolkit to help us navigate in the world. But maybe we should shut it off once in a while. If you want others to remember you, be kind and ask them about themselves. And as communicators, I think that can be applied to what we do. Engage. Show that you're listening. Create conversations that people enjoy because they feel seen. Hey, Brian. Hey, Lottie. What are you doing here? Remember earlier when you said there'd be a quiz? Uh Uh-huh. Well, this is it. So, do you remember the three things we gave Francis to memorize? Uh, Invictus Games, Lava Lamp, and Horse Barrow. <laughs> Sorry, Horse what? I don't know, what was what was the last one? Invictus Games and, and, and Lava Lamp, I remember. Horse. It was Horse. Just <laughs> Horse, Brian. But the Invictus Games, I remember, and Lava Lamp. That's pretty close to three out of three. <laughs> Not bad for a first timer, but hearing Francis just like blows my mind. Here's a little bonus tip of how he remembers pi to the thousandth digit. Get a load of this. I placed them in some villa that I've never visited, but I've only visited online. So like a huge house. And so that huge house has the first 1000 digit. And it starts in one bathroom. There's Gandhi and he's shaving his legs. And that's uh, 14159. And then it's uh, 26535. Eight nine seven nine three two three eight four six. 
Today, our guests were Dr. Tracy Pakiam Alloway and Francis Blondin. I'm Brian Tomlinson, and this is Infernal Communication, brought to you by Staffbase, with production support from Jar Audio. Join us next time when we wade into the murky waters of apologies. There are right ways and there are wrong ways. When we are faced with a situation that requires an apology, there is a cognitive dissonance there. I'm a good person. How could I have done this terrible thing? If you enjoyed the show, please tell your friends, tell your goldfish, tell Gandhi, tell your blueberry dealer. You can also follow us on your favorite podcast app and leave a review. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time. Two, six, four, three, three, eight, three, two, seven, nine, five, zero, two, eight, eight.